This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. Good morning, everyone. Uh, it's really good to see all of you here today. And uh, it's wonderful that we've been going through the book of Titus. And what a pleasure it is to be able to uh, come together with you to uh, learn with you from God's Word. So this morning, uh, if you can grab your Bibles or a notebook, that will be really helpful. Uh, let's uh, all uh, look together at God's Word. So let's go to God in prayer now. Uh, dear Father, as we come before you today, we thank you so much for the wonderful truths that we learn uh, in your Word. We thank you so much for the abundant blessings and grace you've given us. And we pray that again as we come to your Word, we are, as Paul tells Timothy, reminded once again of the great truths of salvation and uh, really take to heart the, the truths that we have so that we may live rightly before you. And we pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, um, before uh, the COVID uh, circuit breaker time last year, I, I met up with a Christian man and uh, I was trying to convince him of something good that he should do. And this was a really big good thing that I felt that he could do. It was a, it was a Christian good. But after talking to him uh, for uh, lunch, he, uh, he decided that he didn't want to do that good thing. And I was thinking to myself, why do we do the things that we do? Right? Why do we do the things that we do? So here was this man, I told him, this really good thing that he had the capacity to do, uh, but yet he didn't want to do it. And why was that? It was probably because he was thinking in terms of what was it for him? What would he get out of it? Uh, what benefit would it accrue to himself? So it got me thinking about why do we do the things we do as Christians? And I want to pose to you uh, this polling question. If I know the good that I should do, but steadfastly, rebelliously, and consistently choose not to do it. Can I be a Christian? All right, so uh, what do you all anonymously reply? I think this would be a good, good test. If I know the good I should do, but steadfastly, and rebelliously, and consistently choose not to do it, can I be a Christian? <clears throat> Okay, so uh, uh, quite a few of you said no, a few said not sure, and uh, balance it uh, yes. Okay, so I think that that's a really good question to have in our minds as we look at today's passage. Uh, now, as we look at today's passage, it begins in chapter 3, verse 1. And I want to focus on this word here, which is the word remind. Right? It says, remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always be gentle toward everyone. Now, the, the word begins here with a very strong verb, and this verb here is the word remind. Okay, So this is like the key word that begins this passage. This is a command verb. It is an instruction verb. It is an order word. Titus, as the pastor to the Cretan church, is told, reminded, commanded, or instructed 
to remind the people, the Cretan Christians, to be subject to the rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always be gentle to everyone. But the thing that holds it all together is the theme that we've been looking through in the book of Titus, which is to be ready to do whatever is good. And this theme here uh, basically captures both those instructions in their relationship to the rulers and authorities, in their relationship to one another, they are to do whatever is good. Now, this idea of remind is in the present continuous tense. It's like he doesn't just remind them once. He's to remind them twice, three times. He's to remind them over and over again. It's a bit like parents. You know, I'm a parent of two kids. And when they're growing up, you remind them of many things. You know, you've got to brush your teeth before you sleep. You have to study before you play. You have to flush a toilet. Uh, now, we call it reminding. Children say it's uh, nagging. But obviously, you, re- you remind them and you nag them of these things because they're not doing these things. And I think this is the background and the context of this chapter. Uh, Titus is to remind the Cretan Christians because they are failing to do these things in their relationship with authorities, in their relationship with one another. They are not doing whatever is good. So Paul now goes on and he gives the theological thinking or the theological reasoning why they must always be ready to do whatever is good. And so he then goes on in verse 3. At one time, we too uh, were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. Now, I want you to pay attention here to how Paul seems to change the, the, the subjects or the people in view in this chapter. So in verse 1, he's talking about the Cretan Christians. But then in verse 3, he begins to talk about himself and all the other Christians. And he's saying, look, as bad as the Cretan Christians are, we together, Paul, Titus, the Cretan Christians, Singaporean Christians, American Christians, Australian Christians, everyone at, at, at one stage of their life used to be like this. And what were we like? We were foolish. We were disobedient. We were deceived and we were enslaved. Now, I think that actually when you look at the the way these words are used, it it actually forms the whole of our human experience. So let me share my slide with you. If you look at the slide here, okay, uh, you'll be able to see that uh, that what is in view here is the whole idea of the whole human experience, which is taught into totality, taken up by the sinfulness that we are living in. Our minds are foolish. It doesn't mean that we can't pass exams or we can't, uh, you know, do clever things. It's like the whole of our direction of life is wrong. We are orientated towards the wrong thing. Our hearts are disobedient. Right? We, we, we aren't able to obey what God tells us to do. Uh, the very environment that we live in leads us astray and deceives us. It's almost as if uh, some 
people have said it's almost like we live in a, an environment where there's a supernatural overwhelming force, like a satanic force, which is deceiving us and conning us. And even our flesh enslaves us to sinful passions and pleasures. And Paul says that he himself, Titus and the Christian creatures, uh, Christian, Cretan Christians were all together in this environment. Now, the reason why Paul uses this collection of images, disobedient, deceived, betrayed, enslaved, is to show us that really at one time we were all helpless and hopeless sinners. We were all wretched and terrible sinners. A good way of thinking about it is to think about how we are all, in a sense, uh, drowning. We are all helpless. We can't save ourselves. So I remember uh, I've been watching uh, this uh, TV series, which I bought uh, on uh, uh, from Carousel, from someone it's called The Wire, right? And it's about all these uh, drug dealers in Baltimore. And uh, there's a scene that really stuck with me about how there's this uh, guy who's a drug addict, and he uh, goes to this uh, drug rehabilitation meeting. It's called like Drugs Anonymous. And he talks to this guy who is trying to help all the drug addicts. And uh, he says to this guy, he says, oh, do you think my friend is going to quit drugs? Do you think he's ready to be saved? And then the, the other guy, the counselor says, nah, he's still got his health. He's still got his money. He ain't hit the bottom yet. When he hits his bottom, then he's ready to be saved. I think that's what the Bible, God's Word, is trying to say to us, and what Paul is trying to say to us as well, through the book Titus. We have hit the bottom. Right? We need to acknowledge that we are at the rock bottom. Uh, we are deceived. We are foolish. We are uh, disobedient. We are enslaved. Uh, the whole idea that is here is the fact that the reality is all of us are unable to save ourselves. And that's the whole point that Paul is trying to make, right? He's trying to make the point is that we are like these uh, people who are totally addicted and we are totally right at the bottom and we need something to take us out of the rock bottom that we have found ourselves in. And therefore, this is what we were at at one time. But... And this is a very great idea here of how we are down in the dumps and we need to recognize that we are the rock bottom. But then the next thing that Paul goes on to say is the most wonderful, blessed news. Because he says, but, right, in contrast to what we were one time, when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. He saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. And here is the next key verb of this passage. He saved us, right? He saved us. Now, God saved us, this section keeps telling us, not because of the things that we have done, right? Not because of the righteous things that we have done, but rather it is because of God's kindness, God's love, God's mercy, God's grace. Now, this is to show us that what happens to us is not because we are intrinsically good people 
righteous people, lovable people that deserve to be served, saved, sorry, but because of the character of God, the Father himself, his kindness, his love, his mercy saves us. And he saves us because he sends his very own son, Jesus, our Savior. It says here that through the coming of Jesus Christ, we have been justified. Now, justified here is a legal word. It basically means that you're declared not guilty. You're free from punishment. You are you are dismissed from all the charges. And we do not justify ourselves, but rather we are justified by God sending us Jesus Christ. The coming and the appearance of Jesus Christ saves us. Now, this is so important for us to know, right? Because it is in the knowing of this that is the heart of Christianity, right? It's the knowing of this that is the heart of Christianity. That without knowing that that our depths of our sin, our disobedience, our enslavement to sin, then we will not know the kindness, the love, the mercy, and the grace of God that sends Jesus to die for us. So what happens here is the most marvelous thing. Someone said to me recently, when they became a Christian, after they learned the truth of their terrible state and what God has now done for them, it was like the most indescribable joy had entered into her life. For the first time, she felt alive and she knew what life and living was. And that's exactly what this passage is trying to say. At one time, we were trapped in this cycle of foolish thinking, disobedient hearts. We were led astray and deceived. We were enslaved by our flesh. But then through the kindness of God, Jesus appeared and died for us. Now, I think that this is a wonderful thing that we need to understand. Because without understanding this truth, then we really don't understand what Christianity is all about. And so, um, when we, oh, this is, okay. Well, you can't see behind me. Okay, this is better. But you can sort of see this, right? So basically, this is what the first two passages are about, about how we were one time deceived and disobedient, but then now, through the love and grace and the kindness of God, we have been justified by Jesus. But I want you to pay attention now to the development of the passage. Because really, the heart of the passage it uh, doesn't end with God's grace. It doesn't end with our uh, being brought up from this terrible situation. The heart of the passage really is this part here. And this is the part which I want us to really pay attention to. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. And the main verb here again is this verb, and he, which he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So this is really the heart of uh, this passage that we are looking at here. That God saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, which he poured out on us by his Sorry, generously through Jesus Christ. Now, if you look at this, uh, what is being emphasized here is the pouring out 
of the Holy Spirit upon us. And by the pouring of the Holy Spirit upon us, we are washed, we are reborn, and we are renewed. Now, this idea of washing is the idea of being scrubbed clean, right? It's like, you know, when I was very young, I went to uh, my school chapel. I remember this guy preaching. And he talked about how it's almost like we were put in a washing machine. Um, but if we were just told that we were washed through the Holy Spirit, that might give us the wrong idea. You know, you know, I sort of think that, oh, you know, I'm, I'm going to wash myself through the Holy Spirit every day. Because that's what we do about laundry, right? We wash, wash our laundry regularly. <clears throat> But it's not the washing, repetitive washing of a washing machine. Because it says it is the washing of rebirth. It's the idea of being reborn or born again. Uh, it's almost like this idea of how there is an old. The old is replaced by the, the new. So there's this idea of newness. A new birth, a new born again, a washing off, renewal, uh, the idea of where something is a, a, a re- new creation, something is made new, a renewal. So together, these two words, rebirth and renewal, give you the idea of a fresh start, a new birth, a new beginning, a new nature. And this comes because the Holy Spirit has been poured out on us generously. <clears throat> now, this gives us the idea of um, of the Holy Spirit being filling us to overflow. Basically, the word here poured out is the idea of being abundantly filled with the Holy Spirit. So, you know, the charismatic Christians talk about how you are a Spirit-filled person. Well, This verse actually says every Christian person is a spirit-filled person because the Holy Spirit has been poured out abundantly to overflowing within us. And therefore, because the Holy Spirit is poured out abundantly in us, we are washed of rebirth. We are born again and we are renewed. Now what point is Paul trying to make here? Why is this important, so important to us that he wants to tell us that we are washed and reborn and renewed by the pouring out abundantly of the Holy Spirit within us? I think the reason that he's trying to emphasize is that because of our new nature, therefore we have to be ready, as it says, to do whatever is good. You see, there's a big contrast here that we see. Relationally, at one time, the Cretan Christians, including Paul, used to live in malice and envy, hating and hating one another. But because of this new nature of being born again and renewed through the Holy Spirit, they are not to live in malice, envy, hating and hating one another, but rather to be not slandering anybody, to be peaceful, considerate, and always to be gentle toward one another. The reason why we do this is because we are new people. We have a new nature. We are born again. We are spirit-filled, so to speak. And because we are spirit-filled, we no longer are trapped 
in the all foolish, disobedient, deceived and enslaved way of living, we are now living filled with the Holy Spirit, washed and reborn and renewed. I always remember there's this uh, pastor that I, I respect quite a lot. His name is uh, David Cook. He used to be the principal of the Sydney Missionary and Bible College. And just last week or the week before, I was listening to his podcast on preaching. And he said, every statement in the Bible answers a question. Uh, that's quite deep and profound, right? Every statement in the Bible answers a question. So what is the question that Titus chapter 3 is trying to answer? Right? If every statement in the Bible answers a question, what is the question that Titus 3 is trying to answer? The question is, why do the Cretan, creature, uh, Cretan Christians need to do good? Right? Why do the Cretan Christians need to do good? It is because they are now a new person. They are now a new nature in God. Through the Holy Spirit poured out upon them, they are now reborn and rebirthed, born again, renewed. And therefore, they need to live out this new nature. So I always remember how uh, someone, uh, actually it was Nick, who gave me this uh, wonderful illustration. So this is a very deep and profound statement, uh, which uh, Nick shared with me, and I thought it was really wonderful, and I'll share with you. He said, because we are now born again and spirit-filled, uh, the Holy Spirit-filled, born-again person is our new nature. So if you think about it, there was this uh, theological lecturer who, who said that, you know, as evangelical Christians, uh, we sometimes make the mistake of only focusing very narrowly on the grace of God and justification by Jesus dying for us. Those are wonderful truths and those are the heart of Christianity, the grace of God and justification by the death of Jesus on the cross. Yes, amen to that. But sometimes we also ignore our new nature. And this is what Paul is trying to emphasize to us through the book of Titus today. We are born again. We are Holy Spirit filled. And therefore, we are Holy Spirit filled, born again people who struggle against sin. We are not sinful people who struggle to be holy. Okay, I know that's very uh, deep and profound, but just wrap your mind around that for a second. Because that's what this passage is saying. We are Holy Spirit filled, born again people who struggle against sin. We are not sinful people who struggle to be holy. And the reason is because God, through Jesus, has poured out the Holy Spirit in us. He's changed our essential nature. And therefore, as a result, because we have a new nature, it must result in new behavior. And that's the point that Paul was trying to make to Titus to remind the Cretan Christians, and which we need reminding of too. Because of our new nature, we have new behavior. And because of this new behavior, we are to do whatever is good. And that is the main thing that keeps being repeated here in this passage. Paul reminds, commands Timothy to remind 
the Cretan Christians, right, to do whatever is good, devote themselves to be ready to do whatever is good. And then further down the page, and the reason why Paul is able to command the Cretan Christians to do good is not because he's just trying to be moralistic or legalistic or salvation by works. No, he's telling them they must do whatever is good because they are now Holy Spirit, born again, renewed people. So in conclusion, um, someone in my Bible study uh, told me that they had been, uh, someone sent them this thing about Benjamin Franklin. Okay, So it's very small, I'm so sorry. But uh, they sent us a slide about uh, a diary from Benjamin Franklin. I know it's very small, So, um, but basically he begins his day, for those of you who can see it, by asking the morning question. And the morning question is, what good shall I do this day? And then he ends the day by asking the evening question. And the evening question is, what good have I done today? So he begins the day by asking, what good shall I do today? And the evening question is, what good have I done today? And I thought to myself, that's actually something that we need to ask ourselves because if we are born again, if we are spirit-filled, if we are renewed people, that's a really relevant question for us, isn't it? What good shall I do today? And what good have I done today? Because if I'm a person who is spirit, Holy Spirit, abundantly filled, if I'm born again, and if I'm renewed through the Holy Spirit, then because of my new nature, I must show this new behavior. And I hope that in your life, uh, you will be living out this new nature with your new behavior. So let's go to God in prayer. Uh, dear Father, as we come before you today, we really want to thank you for you have saved us. We at one time were foolish in our thinking, disobedient in our heart, deceived, and we were enslaved. We could not save ourselves. We were in a helpless, hopeless, wretched, terrible situation. We were totally sinners through and through. But because of your grace, your love, your kindness, and your mercy, you sent Jesus to die on the cross to justify us and to declare us not guilty. Dear Father, we also recognize that through your Son, the Holy Spirit has come upon us all. The Holy Spirit has been poured out abundantly in each and every one of us. And the Holy Spirit has washed us, washed us through rebirth, washed us through renewal, so that we have a new nature. And that's part of your salvation plan as well. And because we have this new nature, we pray that we will exhibit new behavior, that we will be eager to devote ourselves to do whatever is good. And we pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 
Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at busypc.sg.